So you're a high performing professional or an entrepreneur who sees so many shiny new things and is always looking for the next risk or the next challenge to keep pushing through the boundaries and so forth. But underneath of it, there's this unsettling undercurrent that comes up from time to time. In this case, I want to talk about self-acceptance. And I went and found Diane Wingert. She's a mindset and productivity coach for female entrepreneurs who identify with the traits of ADHD, officially diagnosed or not. During her 20-year career as a licensed psychotherapist, Diane saw many brilliant and ambitious women struggle with unidentified ADHD, including herself. Since her own midlife diagnosis, she now mentors women who are driven but distracted to overcome procrastination, perfectionism, and people-pleasing so they can craft a life of business they love. So in this episode, I will be talking about self-acceptance with Diane. She shares her journey of how she came into that radical self-acceptance and some insights and wisdom she has that I really thought was worth sharing in this episode. Enjoy. Welcome to another episode with Coach Kathy. Today, I have the pleasure and honor of sitting and having a conversation with Diane. Diane, thank you so much for being on the show. All I can say, Kathy, is we should have started recording sooner. <laughs> yes. If you had heard the pre-conversation uh, before I pushed uh, start, it's, it's a fun one. So let, let's bring on that same energy into this. We may be doing some F-bombs. We may be laughing a lot. Mm, so yes. wherever this comes, take it for what it is. It's two women with some interesting brain wiring who are going to talk about self-acceptance. And mm-hmm. I'm honored to have Diane talk about this because in her podcast, she's just raw and she says it like how it is. But every time that she says it, it comes with a whole lot of acceptance, energy, and just, just a whole lot of goodness. So it was important for me to bring up this conversation with her about self-acceptance. So here we are. Diane, give me a little bit about background on, you mentioned a book. So I want you to kind of talk about the book and talk about your journey on self-acceptance, if you don't mind. Absolutely. I'd love to. Well, first of all, thank you again for inviting me. And I think there's something very unique and special about two people with ADHD who both know it at a first meeting, because you can just get into real meaningful and often hilarious conversation instantaneously, which I love. For me, the journey to self-acceptance has been a long one. Uh, I'd say a long and winding road. I grew up in a family of mostly adopted children. I was adopted at birth along with most of the kids in my household. I was not told because this was at a time when that was still kind of a shameful thing. So I found out accidentally from one of the neighbors when I was nine years old. Now, what I took that to mean, and this is important with respect to self-acceptance, how I interpret it is that my parents are not my parents. My real parents didn't want me and they gave me to strangers. Now picture yourself a little nine-year-old sensitive kid and thinking, wow, I must be really worthless. And so I remember very clearly thinking, if that's the case, I'm going to have to work twice as hard to be good enough. 
And so I did. In fact, I became the best little overachiever you would never want to meet. I became a perfectionist. I had all kinds of insecurities, but I knew I was smart and I tried really hard to do well in school, which I did. Anytime I did well, I felt good about myself. If I didn't do as well, I tortured myself. I had a lot of struggles with other kids because you like the popular kid, you like the jocks, you like the cheerleaders, you like the whatever your group is, but I didn't really feel like I could get close to anybody because of course I knew there was something deeply and terribly and permanently wrong with me. So I didn't want to give anyone the chance to reject me. Now, many, many years later, I have an ADHD diagnosis after I've managed to pass it on to all three of my now adult children. And I've come to learn about something called rejection sensitive dysphoria, or I just prefer to call it rejection sensitivity. So I think I really sort of took the upper hand with that and decided as long as I don't let anyone get close enough to me to reject me, I won't have to go through that. So I think the point I want to make is that when it comes to acceptance, so many of us, especially now in these days and times with social media and the internet, we're all so eager to seek approval from others. We want the likes, we want the followers, we want the fans, we want people to want to know us and share what we post. But if you have not done the work to gain your own self-acceptance, that's like pouring water into a bucket that has a hole in the bottom. It just keeps running out. Oof. <laughs> I know. I told you. I'm oh, intense. Nice, I just, like, I'm intense. Hey, tell me more. <laughs> tell me more, mama. So, <laughs> you know, thank you for sharing that because one of the things that I see often and, and, and in so many conversations with women and men, it, it's not, you know, a gender thing. It, it's this whole self-acceptance and man, it's, it's not, you know, it's bad enough that they, they grow up with this ADHD brain and trying to fit in. And then there's this, some of the stuff that you were raised with depending on how you were raised and the beliefs that you adopted and the things that you know were said so at one point does one decide okay i'm ready to make a change on this what would a really good question yeah. honestly human beings being what they are pleasure seekers and pain avoiders I think it's our nature, Kathy, not to make that change until it simply becomes too painful to keep on doing what we're doing. In my case, I, I was a good student, not terribly popular, horrible family life at home. Not only I was adopted, but my adoptive uh, mother was very mentally unstable and terribly abusive, and my father was never around. So... It was really kind of a every kid for himself kind of thing. And the, the positive that came out of that is I'm a survivor. The negative that came out of it is that I knew there was something different about me beyond being adopted. I knew that I thought differently. I knew that I had a hard time just sitting still. I just could never tolerate being bored even for a minute. My interests changed often. 
I would just devour everything I could find on a topic and then completely lose interest and go off in search of something else. All these traits that I now understand are part of the ADHD, bad memory, disorganized, totally distractible, all of that. But all of those things for me, Kathy, were signs that something was wrong with my brain. And I want you to imagine that, you know, like many women with ADHD, I did well in school. And it was through a combination of procrastinating till the very last second, and then powering through an all-nighter or two to get the job done. And you'd think that I would become convinced by that, that, wow, I must be super smart. I can get a paper written in two nights instead of a whole semester. But I somehow knew that wasn't the way I was supposed to do it. And I think this is an important point about self-acceptance that even when you like the outcome, if you went about it in a way that wasn't the so-called right way, it's hard to feel satisfied with the result. It kind of reminds me of in public school, especially in the elementary grades, and I'm sure it hasn't changed since I was in school or my kids were in school. You have to show your work. You have to show every single step of your work. It didn't matter if you got the right answer, you had to show how you got it. Well, maybe math isn't the best example, but an ADHD brain is non-linear. We don't think in the exact way that a neurotypical does. So I would come to conclusions about things. I would get the right answer, but I couldn't demonstrate that I did it in the approved of way. And I think we still have a long way to go with public education. And I think we are just now starting to realize that there are different types of learners and there are different ways that people can get to their own right answer. But when I was in school, there was a lot of shame that went with, you're not doing it the right way. I'm like, well, but it worked, right? Yes, but you didn't do it the right way. And now I like to think in most cases, there is a way and there is another way. There isn't the way. I now feel very, I really don't like things that are very dogmatic because I just beat myself up for years thinking I'm not doing it the right way. But as I have come to understand myself better over time, I realize it was the right way for me. But I'm part of the 10%. And the world and most of its institutions are made by and for the other 90%. And so I can't conform to their norm. I can't go about things the way they do. And I had to embrace accepting and approving of myself and not expecting them to or asking permission to be different. They don't, they don't know how to grant that. Yeah, that, that's a good one. It actually, it goes back to a question that I usually like to ask is what would you tell your younger self mm. in this case about self-acceptance? 
right? And you kind of answered it. Is there any more that you want to tell your younger self? Oh man, if I, if I could, you know, I've been watching this really interesting show. It's a German show with English subtitles. My husband's German. It's called Dark and uh, it's about time travel. I love sci-fi. Anyway, I, I think one of the reasons why time travel is appealing to me as a concept is that I lived the majority of my life not only not knowing that I had ADHD, not understanding that I passed it on to all of my kids from two marriages. And neither of their dads had ADHD, so hello, common denominator. Anyway, I would do a lot of things differently. I, first of all, have now come to understand for myself, for my kids, and for all the people that I work with, I believe children come into this world knowing who they are, and then we screw them up. I think they come intuitively, instinctively, and with full acceptance of whatever their strengths and struggles are, whatever their gifts are, and whatever their challenges are. And I think if we were not so intended on squeezing everybody else into the same mold. And I understand why that's necessary. You got one teacher, 30 kids, the numbers don't allow for everyone to have an individualized education. But I do think that we could do so much of a better job of encouraging kids who learn differently to go about things in the way that feels right to them. If they're fast, they're fast. If they're slow, they're slow. If they need to walk around and talk to themselves to figure it out. If they need to go run laps before they can sit down and take the test. If they need to ride bicycle pedals under their desk uh, while they're reading, whatever it may be. But I think we do so much harm to kids when we tell them you're not doing it the right way. And I think it's one of the reasons why so many people with ADHD get into trouble with eating disorders and substance abuse, because we are literally taught to hate who we are. That's not their intention. No parent sets out to teach their child to hate themselves. Nobody who becomes a teacher has the desire to encourage children to hate themselves, but that is the result. And it's very sad. It's very sad. And then you got to work with a coach. You got to pay a therapist. You have to go on a spiritual path, or in my case, all of the above, to earn back the self-approval you were born with. And that can take a long time. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's, I was listening to someone the other day that talked about one of the things that, that, that kind of gets us in this weird place is, is the fear of the unfamiliar. Mm. So. So, you know, as a parent, if the rest of the parents are, are raising their kids a certain way, I have a four-year-old now, and especially late in life, I, I look at some of these younger mothers and how they're with their kids and the way I am, and it's the familiar, unfamiliar, do I do it their way or do I do it my way, and which is the right way? And then it's like, I, you know, thank goodness for the last few years of immersing myself into this work, is I wonder how she will do it. And mm. you know, going from that place with my little girl, as hard as it can be sometimes, because we're protective, we, we want to make sure they don't fail or, or you know, it's going to be hard. But then that failure to her may be like, oh, 
I guess if I do it this way, I'm going to burn my hands. <laughs> or if I do it another way, it's something else is going to come up. So go, going into that sense of curiosity and self-acceptance, and you, you talked about your path of, you know, spirituality and, and everything else that you've done, 20 plus years of being a therapist and now into coaching, that curiosity and acceptance, self-acceptance, I think the two go hand in hand. I, I agree. Actually, I just realized you had asked me a question that I didn't answer. And when I used the word spirituality, my ADHD brain went, oops. <laughs> um, I had a serious car accident about 30 years ago. My daughter was an infant at the time, my youngest of three, and she was in a car seat in the back. I was at a dead stop on the freeway. All the traffic had come to a halt. And the guy behind me was very preoccupied and he just kept going. So I have been living with chronic pain for half my life. And I went through all the different types of treatment. I've had my nerve endings burned. I've had Botox injections into my scalp. I've been in traction for 12 hours a day and so forth. And it finally got to the point where it was like, well, I guess I just have to accept that this is as good as it gets, that I'm just going to live with pain for the rest of my life and there'll be good days and bad days and so forth. But I asked my doctor, is there really nothing else? I've done all the traditional things. I've taken all the pills and all the combinations of pills. I've gone to all the specialists. I've, I've done experimental things. And he said, you know, you might try meditation. Many people find that helpful. Hmm. So I thought, you want me to sit down and make my mind go blank? Sure, that'll work. Well, of course, that was, I thought I knew what meditation was, but I was so desperate. And it reminds me of a question that you asked me a few minutes ago about when people change. I mm -hmm. think when it's too painful not to. Mm -hmm. And in my case, at that moment, it wasn't that my physical pain every day was unbearable. I had been living with it for a number of years by that point. It's that I'm an insanely curious person. And medicine has evolved so much in the last few decades. It just didn't make sense to me that there was literally nothing more we could try. Like there must be something. Now I realize there are people who do all kinds of really crazy and probably dangerous things because they reach that point of desperation. So I thought even though meditation sounded ridiculous to me, I thought, what the heck, I'll give it a try. And then I became curious. Well, why would that work? You're not even doing anything. Mm -hmm. So I found a local meditation class near where I was living, went in, sat down, waited for the leader to come in, completely failed to notice there was a shrine and a Buddha statue and a candle. Didn't notice any of that. I thought it was going to be like a, a lecture. And so it turned out to be a Buddhist meditation class. And in true ADHD fashion, I thought, I wonder what that's about. 10 years later, I was indoctrinated into a Tibetan Buddhist group, given a new name, had a lock of my hair clipped. They don't shave your head anymore. And still to this day, I practice Buddhist meditation. I have not cured my pain. I have not cured my ADHD. Both have been managed considerably better 
through meditation, and by the way, you do not have to become a Buddhist to benefit from meditation for your ADHD or your pain or both. Mm -hmm. It's just, that's how it turned out for me. But what I also learned from Buddhism was radical self-acceptance. The book that I mentioned to you, and we should definitely include this in the uh, show mm -hmm. notes so people who are curious can check it out. Tara Brock is a American-born psychologist who is a meditation teacher and a practicing Buddhist. And I came across her book, Radical Self-Acceptance, a number of years ago. It doesn't have anything in it about ADHD, but I realized one of the most difficult things for people like us is not to learn how to deal with our time blindness. It's not to learn how to deal with our distractibility, our impulsivity, our perfectionism, our lateness. It's how to relinquish the stranglehold that shame and stigma have had on so many of us. And I think for me, starting with feeling the shame of being adopted and then the shame of being abused. Once I found out I was ADHD, I'm like, yeah, just add it to the fricking list. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so I had a lot to unpack. I've also been divorced twice, not proud of it, but I had to work my way through that. And I will honestly say that all of these things kind of work together whether yeah. you have quote unquote, just your ADHD to, to work through or a whole, you know, grab bag of things like me, I now believe, and I teach my own clients that you can accept yourself completely and still work towards improving and growing and developing and changing every single day they're not mutually exclusive. It's not a matter of, well, I'm either going to accept myself. Hey, that's just the way I am. I was born this way. Deal with mm -hmm. it. Or, or I'm on the path of, you know, continuous improvement. I do both. And I, I think it's possible. It's what the Buddhists call the middle way. You don't have to be so binary in your thinking, this or that, black or white, right or wrong, good or bad. It's like, I accept myself exactly and completely as I am. And I am on a path of continuous personal evolution. I do both. I love it. Standing ovation. <laughs> I love that. Thank you for saying that because that's so important to marry the two together, right? It, it's the work. It, it doesn't finish by taking a, you know, a coaching program or a transformation weekend and all of that stuff. Mm. And it's, it's always going. It's always continuing as, as we evolve as human beings, you learn new things. So giving yourself that permission is huge. So I thank you for so bringing that to the forefront so beautifully. So well, I know you, I know you believe this as well, Kathy. And I oh, think absolutely. we do people a great disservice when we tell them that this work is going to be easy and painless. It's not going to be painful. I mean, anybody that works with me knows I'm more fun than a barrel of monkeys, but it is work because if it wasn't, it wouldn't make any difference. Your brain, my brain, every brain hates change yes. so much because it puts an additional demand on it for energy and effort. So it's going to put up a fight no matter what. And the kind of change that you and I help people with, 
the brain really resist, even though it's in its best interest. So you kind of have to be down for it to be effortful and also amazing. Yeah. There, there is a, there is this bright light at the other end, but you just mm-hmm. got to be ready to do the work. Yeah, absolutely. Well then thank you so much for this conversation because as you were speaking, there's another piece that has come up for me that, that with, with your background and your you know, 20 plus years in therapy and now into coaching and also having ADHD yourself, there's this question that often comes up in every uh, initial call that I have with clients is, well, I already have a therapist. I don't know if I need a therapist. Maybe I need a coach or I maybe I need therapy instead of coaching. And, and so finding that self-awareness, self-acceptance, there's this line of which one do I do? Do I do both? I am curious your perspective or answer on this one. What do you think? That's a really good, very important and very popular question. I, I've probably been asked that question at least a few hundred times. Mm-hmm. You know, therapy has been around for a hundred plus years, going back to the days of Freud. Coaching is a relatively new field outside of executive coaching and sports coaching, but ADHD coaching hasn't even been around 20 years. So of course there's a lot of confusion and people want to invest in the right solution for what they need. But I think we are talking to an ADHD audience today, and we have already been talking for probably 30 minutes. So I think out of respect for your audience, may I suggest that you invite me to come back another time and we talk all about the differences between therapy and coaching so that people who are faced with that choice can make it the right one. I love it. And I appreciate that. And I thank you so much. Because that's going to be a juicy conversation and it does deserve its, its time slot so we can really talk about the differences and, and share our experiences. So and I want to I see you again. That's yes, why. <laughs> yes. Any, any excuse for me to, to continue this conversation with Diane. So, so there you have it, folks. We're going to have another conversation with Diane on the topic of coaching versus therapy when it comes to ADHD and who better than someone who's, who's lived both sides of it and, and all three sides of it and knows what it's like. So until next time, till we meet with Diane, I will share with you some of uh, the, the links to get in touch with her. So until next time, I hope you were inspired by this. Keep on shining and we'll talk to you soon.